Are you a character? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Characters Here Podcast. I'm your host, Arthur and artist, Sharday. To get all this personality and entertainment, you can follow me on social media at Characters Here. And for more information, visit CharactersHere.com. From Houston, Texas, she's a business attorney with a focus on trademark and copyright law with a bachelor's in philosophy and a law degree from the Southern University Law Center. She helps creatives make their dreams tangible and then makes for certain that their dreams are protected. In a three-year relationship with a birthday on August 14th, at 28 years young, and a special guest on Characters Here podcast, Jordan B. Franklin. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. No, that was a, a good introduction. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm so glad. Take us to the beginning. What was your childhood like? Uh, what were you like as a child? So I was a child that questioned everything. Um <laughs> And you, my parents will attest to it now. Like I had, I was a, one of those like, well, why? Well, why? I was a, a well, why kid. Like I wanted to know, you know, the reason why things were the way they were. Um, yeah. So my parents were very patient with me growing up because I don't know if I could be as patient with myself as a child now. <laughs> but um, they were very patient, you know, and took the time to make sure they tried to answer as best they could, you know, the why to the questions that I had. So um, definitely grateful for that. Um, I was also a reader. I loved reading as a kid. So they fostered that in me as well. And which is so important because as a lawyer, that's like 90% of what you do is you read. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, they kind of formed that um love in me early but um one thing I didn't know was my dad loves telling the story now because they didn't want to tell me they wanted me to kind of make and find my path on my own so when I first went to undergrad I thought I wanted to be a doctor so I was like you know the pre-med route all that stuff hated it absolutely hated it um, I ended up changing my major and I was like almost afraid to tell my parents because I was like, I don't want them to be disappointed in me. So, no. yeah, I thought they were not knowing like my parents are probably the most supportive parents ever. They'd just be like, as long as you're not out here doing something crazy, then right. <laughs> by all means. But my dad's thing was as long as you do, you know, the best that you can, whatever you do, we don't care. He was like, if you're going to flip burgers, be the best burger flipper that <laughs> that mcdonald's has ever seen like that was my dad's philosophy so when i finally told him i wanted to go to law school uh, and i thought i wanted to be a lawyer he was like well it's about time he was like we don't know what took you so long i was like wait huh and uh they they knew from my dad said they knew from birth my parents have always been you know the type of parents to like speak life into you know both my sister and i and like yeah. you know the things that we do so he said even when I was born especially growing up being the questioning child they <laughs> he said they always pictured me as a lawyer so when they decided what to name me they chose Jordan and it's just the regular spelling J-O-R-D-A-N yeah. and uh, my last name is Franklin and uh, I abbreviate my middle initial with just the letter B. And he was like, one of the reasons why they named me what they named me is because they did not want people to be able to guess 
my ethnicity or my gender by my name really? because he just knew I was going to be a lawyer. He was like, you know, he couldn't wait until I just popped up in a courtroom and they were like, oh, dang, we thought it was a man this whole time. So, <laughs> right. and so that was, you know, that was, I had a very, um, they were pushy parents, but they pushed us in the direction that they saw we were leaning to. So I'm definitely very grateful for them. Indeed. And you said you have a sister? I do. I have a younger sister. We were five years and six days apart. Wow. <laughs> For me, he was like, I'm an only child. I was an only child. My mom said I was not happy when I found <laughs> out I had a sibling on the way. No. <laughs> he said, no, not happening. Y'all playing. <laughs> okay. And then she was so close to my birthday. My mom said, I literally was just like, she better not come on my birthday. That's like all I would tell her. Oh my goodness! And how far apart are y'all in birthday? Six days. Oh my goodness! Did okay. So <laughs> did y'all ever have to have birthdays together? Girl, yes. Growing up, oh <laughs> <laughs> up until we got to like a certain age, like we did them together. Wow! Did y'all ever get mistaken for twins? No, because I, okay. I was significantly bigger, so everybody knew okay. like, we weren't we weren't twin twins, but. I mean, clearly we were sisters. But thank God my mom does not like dressing kids alike. So we <laughs> never we never dressed alike. That's exactly where I pulled that question from because that's how my mom was. We got dressed alike. <laughs> Girl, my mom is like, y'all are individuals. She didn't. She does not like it. That is so cool. Was there anything as a child that you could probably pull from that's like, okay, I could have seen why they thought I was going to be a lawyer? Um, I three I believe I had an argument with my aunt and she's 18 years older than I am my mom's sister and they said like my aunt legitimately got pissed off so they were just like this child is argumentative at three she gonna be all right (laughs) she's gonna be all right yes I'm trying to picture that in my head I'm a visual person so I'm like at three years old (laughs) you argue with a grown woman (laughs) Never like my aunt was like getting flustered because <laughs> she wow. was just like, "What is going on? You were not supposed to be this advanced this young." <laughs> yeah, my mom said I was forming complete sentences by the time wow. I was before I was two. So, now that's amazing. <laughs> so she said I was always a talker. So she said my aunt didn't stand a chance. <laughs> Did you have any role models growing up? I did. So I was, you know, like every kid, I thought I wanted to be like everything under the sun Mm -hmm. um, career wise. So (laughs) I was the biggest one, Serena Williams, Venus and Serena Williams. I love them. Um, Two, I'm native Houstonian, born and raised. Mm -hmm. So Beyonce was always (laughs) at the top of my list. Like I was when Destiny's Child was first starting, they used to have like meet and greets at a, a local Walmart. I was at the Walmarts with my CDs. I had the Destiny's Child dolls. Like Beyonce was like it for me. She. Yay. That's why I tell people now. Like, do I stand Beyonce? Absolutely. I said, but Absolutely. I feel like you know my standum started when I was like a kid. My very first CD was Destiny's Child's very first CD, the one that's self-titled that had like no, no, no on it. That was my very first CD. So I'm just like, I don't care what y'all say about Beyonce. I literally like grew up listening to her. Right. Exactly. 
that's so cool just to have like somebody as big as they are now just even then though to be living in the same city that's big <laughs> yeah because she was locally famous even before she really hit mainstream Oh, yeah. Now, I remember watching some of those, I forgot what they're called, the type of interviews where they, like, go behind the scenes and stuff. Yeah. So I remember she would do a lot of talent shows. Yeah. Yeah. So, she was locally famous first. So, you know, growing up here, everybody knew her. So, she's always been, like, the top of my list. And even more so now because I feel like just from a business aspect. um, Yes. And I'm pretty sure you saw the homecoming documentary. It just shines a whole nother light on like, (laughs) not just her as an artist, but like her as a business person and like her as a producer, you know, just like every aspect of like what she does. Right. Yes. The control. Yeah. I love that part. The The discipline. (laughs) Yes. The the discipline is through the roof. If I just... Like, if that's not motivating, I don't know what is. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, t- I can't help you if you're not motivated. <laughs> yes. Like, that's those shirts true. and stuff that say, like, you have the same 24 hours in a day as Beyonce is very true. But you just yes. see, even based on that documentary, how she uses those 24 hours. You know what I mean? That's so mm-hmm. That is true. I think that is true with just anything with people put their minds to. We all have the same amount of time. And I would hear it over and over again, but I didn't really understand it until as of late when I started getting into my field. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, that makes sense now. (laughs) Yeah, no, it makes total sense. I even, like, every week I calendar, not calendar. Well, yeah, it's calendaring. So I calendar and I write in my journal, like, things to do the upcoming week. I always, like, one thing that's always my focus for the week Cause there's like a little box that says this week's focus every week. Mm. So in my box, I always put making every second count. And that's, you know, even if I'm not actually doing anything in a particular period of time that at least I'm thinking about something or brainstorming about something or even meditating just to kind of give my, my mind a 10 minute break or just whatever, but always trying to make sure that, I'm using my time wisely. I'm glad to hear that because sometimes I feel a little crazy when my calendar just looks like, what's going on? Yeah. How <laughs> so much to do? <laughs> but it's good to have those moments of time just to take some, take some breaks. Take break, Taking breaks are really important. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That is really important. That is when, okay, let's get off a little bit. In your break period, when you're just taking time to, you know, to devote to yourself, how do you go about doing it? Does this have to happen in a certain place or it's just wherever you are? No, it's like wherever I am. I'll just try to like put my stuff down, you know, pen down, pencil down, whatever. Um, and just kind of like, you know, breathe, yeah. slow everything down, especially when I get overwhelmed because I'm the type of person that when I get overwhelmed, I just shut down completely and like don't I just don't do anything I'll be like you know what well I guess it's just not getting done today let me close my laptop as I grow and progress like I I, you know over being overwhelmed is gonna happen but I can't let being overwhelmed in those moments also throw me off of like you know the vision that I have for myself so if I gotta take a step back breathe for a second you know, sometimes I even pray during those moments. I'm just like, okay, God, like, I know I'm getting overwhelmed right now. You know, I'm here because you've led me here. This is for a reason, you know, calm me down, shift my focus back, you know, let's get it going. So 
I, I always that. try to, you know, try to do something in those moments. Exactly. Oh, that now that's really important too. Just having moments with God. That's been a really big one for me, a highlight for me as of late. Because I found that in my time of when I really struggled the most, that's when I got closer to God. Mm-hmm. That is like so epic to me. When you were in college, I know you had those moments where you were overwhelmed. How was that different to how you um, conquer that now You're, when you get overwhelmed? What did you do then? And then how do you do go about it now? That's how I learned that I shut down <laughs> <laughs> when I'm overwhelmed. Because I would just be like, I'm just not going to do it. Um, (laughs) and then it ends up becoming like more stressful because it ends up almost being like a procrastination situation to where it's like I got overwhelmed so I didn't do it but I know I need to get done but now like the timeline to do it is shorter so undergrad was very much a um, trial and error period Mm -hmm. as opposed to now and just like you said like you know going through things that are rough in your life and realizing how important that relationship with God is that's kind of when you develop those things and you're just kind of like all right you know he got me this is for a reason let me shake this off and let me keep moving you know as 18 19 year old in college I knew that because I was raised in church but I didn't really understand it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah I do that was yeah that was a big one it was kind of like how well, I, okay, I'm going to admit this for the first time on my podcast, but <laughs> I have an online pastor. <laughs> His name is Pastor Keon Henderson. You so, know, um, I just got to stop you right there because <laughs> that is my home church. Are you serious? I am dead serious. I have been a member of the Lighthouse since 2013. Everything that I've gone through in my life as a young adult, especially like trying to get into law school, going through law school, Pastor Keon has prayed over me. He has prayed for me. He has spoken prophetic things over my life, all of which have come to be like that is my home church. I serve in the young adult ministry there now. I'm there every Tuesday. I'm there every Sunday. Like that is my home church. That is so funny you say that. Oh my gosh, that is so amazing! <laughs> yeah, that is hilarious. Oh you say that. Gosh. I'm pulling together. I'm holding it. I'm pulling together. This is amazing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, when I was like really going a really tough time last year, I was watching like everything that I could find because I'm like, I need to get close to God. I just I need to find Him. I need to find something that's going to hold me in. And I found one of his videos on YouTube. And ever since then, I've been hooked. Yeah. <laughs> the way he preaches, yeah. it just, it, it really brought a better understanding for me. Because I don't think I had a real, true understanding until I heard the way he would break down mm-hmm. passages in the Bible. And I'm like, okay, I see now. And now when I'm reading, it's not as confusing or it's not there's not a um distance that I don't I don't feel that anymore. I mm-hmm. feel really connected. <laughs> he is he is gifted and he is yes. so giving too. Um wow. there was a, a Bible study period. It was maybe a few months ago. I actually write what he said in my journal every uh every week. But I sit in the same spot every Tuesday. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> my little sister sits right next to me because her and I are both members there and uh, yeah. my aunt is also a member there, the aunt that I argued with when I was three 
so uh, we're all members of the church, and uh, we sit in the same row. It's just like the second row from the front, yeah. directly across from like where the pastor sits. And uh, he was preaching a series on like living debt free, and you know, in more than one way, financially as well, um, yeah. but also like you know, spiritually. So. Right. Bible study has a couple hundred people that come. He walked to the side of the stage over where we sit and he looked me dead in the face and said, Jordan, the key to success is long obedience in the same direction. Mind you, at that time, I was kind of struggling with some things in my career because I had a partner at that time. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, life kind of happened for her and she ended up having to leave. So it was just me. And, uh, I was like, you know, kind of in in an unsure place. And yeah. I hadn't even had a chance to have a conversation with him yet about what had happened. Um, yeah. And he walked over and he said that to me. And I was just like, okay. Yeah. All right. I know what I need to do. <laughs> right. yeah. I know what I need to do. I need to just keep my head down and keep my feet moving. That's Yes, exactly. That is so beautiful. I'm so glad. Oh, oh my gosh. See, the Lord be working, okay? Yes. Girl, when you come to Houston, come on, we'll come on to the light. I am coming in. I have no excuse. We will accept oh, you man. and welcome you with open arms. Oh, I got an invitation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I'm sorry about that. You studied philosophy. Mm-hmm. And in your study in philosophy, I'm thinking, was there ever a point where you was like, is this really what I want to do? I actually stumbled on philosophy. I took like an intro class my freshman year and I loved it. And the professors wow. I had, I loved. And the, so the unique thing is I went to Baylor and Baylor is a Baptist school. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So the professors that I had, especially in philosophy, most people equate philosophy with like atheism. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of philosophers that actually believed in God so the beautiful thing about the classes that I took was that those were topics that we always talked about you know you know the existence of God and I had a professor mm-hmm. to this day he's like my favorite professor he um he basically did a whole lecture series on how the big bang theory and the creation story in the book of Genesis are basically the same story, but different uh, viewpoints of it. Wow. Yeah, and that kind of, you know, that whole, you know, like I said, as a child, I've always been a, a, a why child. I've wanted to know the why, and I've always had questions. Right. And I feel like philosophy was very much a, a space to where you could ask those whys, yeah. um, which is what drew me to that major. So... Because I ended up changing my major. I think I, that wasn't my original major. I changed it to philosophy. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> what were you originally studying? So it was called medical humanities. And it was like a cross between philosophy and biology. It was something I had never heard of it until I went to Baylor. And I was like, oh, this sounds like it was cool. But then I hated science. So I was like, oh, no, this, this got to go. <laughs> this Wait, you hated go. science? I thought I loved it until I got to college. And then oh, I was okay. just like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's a, You know, college is a very interesting place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought I wanted to be a whole lot of things. So I got that. I was like, oh, this is it? I'm good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you have any advice for, you know, any high school students or anyone who 
wants to go to college, but they just not, they're not sure on what they want to go for. I feel like you don't have to know when you first get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason being is because college exposes you to things that you will figure out that you either like or you don't like, like I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it'll give you that opportunity to tailor yourself to what it is that you're passionate about. Because I just kind of feel like life is too short to do something every day that you hate. Yes. Now, I know a lot of older generations don't have that same thought, but, you know, and they kind of, they call us millennials crazy for thinking things like that. But at the same time, why spend the rest of my life doing something that brings me absolutely no joy? No, no, I'm not not wasting that time. Um, Precious. Yeah, it's very precious. But I will say, you know, don't take all four years to, like, figure that out. And then (laughs) then your your, uh, senior year, you decide, okay, I know what I'm going to major in. School is too expensive, you it's know. If you can expensive. figure that out, at least within the first two years, I think right. you'd be all right. Yeah, that's good. Yes, definitely. I would agree. Say the same thing. I think where I messed up is where I felt like I had to have a major when I went into it. And just like you, I was scared to let go of the one I came in with. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I told everybody I'm going to be an architect, and now it's not working. I'm just going to be, you know, advertising, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that is really, really great advice. And then I also agree with, you know, I think some people feel pressured like they have to go. I feel like you, if you know deep down that, you know, school is not for you. Absolutely. Don't waste your time and go for what you truly, truly want to do. Absolutely. So my boyfriend and I have had these conversations because even though it's, it's actually kind of funny because his degree is in philosophy as well. Um, <laughs> right but uh now he works in the tech industry oh my god <laughs> yeah so we've had these types of conversations all the time um as far as like okay well when we get married and have kids are we gonna make them go to school and Ooh. we were both kind of like now seeing what we've seen so mind you it's a little bit different from me as a lawyer, you you have to go. Like it just is right. what it is. But <laughs> yeah. for him, the CEO of a startup that he worked for that was bringing in like a couple, like a few million a year, the CEO only had a high school degree. The tech industry, a college degree is almost not as important. So mm-hmm. we were talking about the thing, those things, and we've kind of come to the conclusion where one, it'll be kind of what the, our child decides. And I can't go out here and do nothing crazy, but (laughs) if they decide that they want to go to school, okay, cool. Um, If they decide that they want to go into the workforce, okay, cool. If they decide, you know, I feel like because school is so expensive, granted, we talked about, you know, starting a trust fund for them to where when they turn 18 and whatever decision they make, that money will go towards, you know, either a loan. If they decide, mm-hmm. you know, I want to start a business, then that money will go towards a loan for them to get mm-hmm. that business started. Or the money will go towards paying for them to go to school. Like kind of whatever they decide, we're not going to tell them how much is in it until they decide what right. they decide. <laughs> um, but, you know, these are conversations that we've had because we've seen how things are starting to change and how, yes. I mean, just look at people our age now who have degrees, yes. one and two degrees, master's degrees, you know, some of them still aren't making that much. Right. True. That is so true. Now, like you said, lawyer, doctor, please go to school. But <laughs> oh, yeah, but I said, we have no choice. <laughs> exactly. 
but some industries like you can do exceptionally well in like tech which is honestly like the industry that is about to have a serious like increase and you don't even you may not even necessarily need even a college degree i know that is the crazy thing just in that thinking of the future what made you think of law but in particularly creative law so when I went to law school it was kind of one of those situations like undergrad I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do like the focus um but I knew I did not want to do criminal and I did not want to do family (laughs) those are out Uh, (laughs) (laughs) at first I thought I wanted to to work in sports because I was a tutor and stuff when I was in college. Like, I worked with the athletic department. So I thought maybe Whoa. maybe athletics, you know, maybe working in sports. No, yeah. didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, took, I took a sports law class, and I was like, oh, I'm not crazy about this. But um, yeah. one thing that has always, like, been super interesting to me is the, like, legalities behind uh, certain industries, and particularly the fashion industry. Um, so when I started looking stuff up about that, one of the biggest things that um, is kind of super heavy in the industry is trademark protection. Well, that falls under intellectual property because every right. every brand name you see is protected by trademark. You know, right. some certain aspects of apparel, like the three stripes on Adidas clothes, that's protected right. by trademark. Um just like stuff like that that I didn't even realize like had a legal definition you know what I mean but um you know at some point they all have to be protected especially when it came to like counterfeiting how big counterfeiting is in like the luxury market so I just started kind of researching some more I started taking a few more classes and I was like oh yeah this is it and uh that started kind of me figuring out that that this is along the lines that I want to work in well um on top of that, I, I really love like my business law class. And I was like, okay, well, how can I marry the two? Even if it's an entrepreneur, like an artist, um, that's still a business in a sense. Right. Mm-hmm. They are still a business, whether it's one right. person or whether it's 200 people, you know, it's still a, a business. So right. I, those two areas actually marry almost perfectly together. Yes. Um, so I just started digging deeper into that. I, I've always respected the minds of creative people and just like how they process information, their outlook on life, like how they can take literally a thought in their head to, you know, in the design world, like a, a living, breathing article of clothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that that whole process is just so fascinating to me. So I'm like, yeah, I want to get in on that. I love that. I even love your pictures that you post. <laughs> I think okay. I just saw one that you posted. Uh, I haven't been on lately, but it's one of your most recent posts. And I was like, she's just over here slaying. Was it when I was at the Derby, I had the fur hat on? Oh, yeah. Yes. So the, the way I even yes. went to that was a good friend of mine who's also like my client is uh, a Milner. So he's a hat, he's a hat designer. And... Oh, um, he we got together for tea we were just kind of sitting and talking he was telling me that the derby uh in houston they do hat contests and stuff every year and how he wanted to submit a few hats but he needed models and i was like well what do you need me to do 
Um, so we just started talking about like clothes and this and he literally planned the look from head to toe and he built the hat around the skirt that I had on which I don't think I posted the skirt um, on Twitter but the skirt almost looked like it was weaved like it was textured and then the bottom had these fringe on it and it was like a pencil skirt so he built the hat in a day around what the skirt looked like but just and that again goes back to why I love you know being in the industry that I'm in because I actually met and befriended him through a group in Houston called Fashion Group International and it's all everybody here you know they're all designers of some sort and I got plugged in with them because I was just like this is my target clientele like these are the people that I would love to work with so let me you know, kind of get mixed in with them and at least let them know, hey, I'm here. This is what I do. And if you ever need my services, let me know. Um, And him and I got really close through that. So just like seeing, you know, him literally take a conversation over tea and turn it into that hat. It was just mind blowing. I'm a huge Project Runway fanatic. So (laughs) yes, I love that show. I see people like just dress up and just dude all these fashion elements put together I'm just like that is so beautiful I just love clothes and yes accessories come together he even told me to wear uh he said you need to pop a color on your lip whether that's red or whether that's like a wine I said okay you got it so (laughs) what I'm telling you I told him whatever your vision is you let me know and I'll make sure I make it happen and just like I don't know I just I had a blast he had a blast it was a good time that is so cool. Now, are you into fashion? I am. I absolutely okay. love it. I love the shows. I love reading about fashion, what's going on in fashion. Um, and because of where I am, I used to try to keep up with a lot of the business side of fashion. Um, mm. And kind of what's going on, not in the runway, but in the boardrooms. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Would you be interested in starting your own like fashion business or is just something you would keep? You know, this is something I like personally. I don't know if I would actually start my own fashion business, but I would want to work for it. Like my dream is to always be in-house for a major luxury brand, Um, especially since luxury needs to be a little bit diversified with what's been going on with like, you know, the whole situation, Gucci, Burberry and all those types of situations. And when people ask me about my opinion on that, I'm just like, let me tell you something. If I was in that room, it would, that little sketch would have been in the trash, okay? It would have been in the trash. Whoever presented it, I would have been like, now go back to your office and think Please. about what you just did because that was right. stupid. Um, yes. But they don't have people in those rooms. Hopefully that's changing, but they often don't have people in those rooms who... To say, hey, now, because you going too far. <laughs> there's no reason that those sweaters should have made it to production. No reason at all. Um, but when you don't have people in the room who think like that, who know the type of audience that that would be offensive to, then you have yes. things like that that happen. So it's always True. been a goal of mine to work in luxury fashion for a few years. Okay. That would be so amazing. When you just think of how things like that happen, what do you think? Do you believe, because I personally believe that, because uh, a lot of times they come with apology and say, you know, that we didn't mean to be offic- offensive. Do you think there is an attention? Yeah. To be- I, was, I already <laughs> knew where your question was going. Absolutely. <laughs> because at the time it was happening, too, it was almost like 
to me, it felt as though some of the brands were taking the the old saying, you know, all press is good press. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And running with it. Um, yeah. Or, you know, controversy sells. That's a, a common yeah. one. I felt like they were trying to take those and, and running with it. But there's a difference between being controversial and being mm-hmm. offensive. Yes. And they yeah. crossed that line, which there in turn meant that they then had to apologize. Because people in the past who were ever controversial about things, they've never had to apologize for it. But when you're offensive, then you have to apologize. But it's kind of yeah. like at that point, I think your apology is null and void because you know what audience you were targeting with this, you know, yeah. offensive sweater. Not yeah. know well, they do know that most black people make up the highest consumer demographic, especially of luxury goods. So right, yes. why offend your highest buyer? Like Exactly. That's from, what I didn't understand. You know, there's speculation that some brands want us to no longer wear their clothes. And if that's the case, yeah. there's plenty of black designers that are coming out with things that we can support as well. So can you say that five hundred times. <laughs> that's exactly I'm like, I've never been big on luxury brands, but when I'm seeing it come like from the like a hand like I can see them hands in my face <laughs> mm-hmm. like you made this I get even more excited mm-hmm. and I feel even more like happier to pay the cost for it can you get into that a little bit with me about how some people don't value or have an opinion about what people charge for their creativity <laughs> I feel like the issue with most people is they just kind of feel like maybe they don't have the reputation to charge what they have but mm-hmm. or charge what they do but my thing is like, especially as a designer or as a creative period, yes. there's a lot of times you can't put a price tag on, you know, the work that you put into creating whatever it is mm-hmm. that you create. And I just feel like anybody that supports what you do will pay whatever price you set, period. That's true. That is really true. Because I, so um, I have friends that, you know, I feel like it's important for me to pour back into what they do. And it's like what's your price like how much Why? and then you know to try to argue you down but i'm just like okay that's <laughs> that's cute what right. is your what is your price because for me i just feel like i'm pouring back into not just my friends but into their businesses into their vision you know yeah. whatever whatever that price is because i i wouldn't ask them to give me any kind of discount I mean, I wouldn't want them to expect a discount from me. That's what I meant. Because I'm just like, listen, Sally Mae does not care about you being my friend. (laughs) No, she don't. She does not at all. She does not care. Neither the bills that come in every month. You know they don't care. That car car note is just like, (laughs) that car note. (laughs) Is it getting paid or not? Like, what's up? So. (laughs) They don't care. (laughs) At all. I'm I'm glad you said that. Because. I just personally feel like if you have no problem paying what the price tag is at the store, <laughs> right? It should be, you shouldn't feel any different when it comes to a person that creates it themselves. Absolutely. And I, even if the person is just selling it, I'm just like, that's your price. Okay, good. Because uh, that's just one of my my soft my my um my target points. <laughs> if you can't tell, no, I definitely <laughs> get it. That that gets me. Just yeah. going into this, you have so much knowledge, I'm sure, at this point. Was there anyone that you interned or a company you interned under? Or did you have a mentor that kind of helped you along the way? So I try to grab mentors, like, every chance I get. And I think yeah. it's cool to have more than one. 
Um, and the reason why I prefer mentors, even over any, like internships are good for like hands-on opportunities or like hands-on experience, but, uh, you know, internships end, they're not very sustaining. Whereas some mentors I've had, I had before I even went to law school who are lawyers, you know, in the industry that I still can call and be like, Hey, I have a question about this or, you know, especially it's important to get them in the industry that you want to be in. So one of my very first mentors before I went to law school, I worked for a law firm for two years. And by chance, I ended up working with one of the attorneys that did a lot of trademark work. So I would like pick his brain about questions that I had and, you know, all this and all that. So even when I went to law school, even now that I've graduated and I'm a practicing attorney, he's still a resource that I have that I call, I shoot emails to. How would you answer this question? How would you handle this situation? You know, it's, he's been practicing law for years above, you know, how long I have, but I've already, I already have a relationship with him. So he's somebody I can shoot an email to. I can go get coffee with. How would you handle this? You know what I mean? I think developing those relationships and those mentorships, uh, in the industry are very important. I'm working on one now. I call her like my unofficial mentor, but she works, (laughs) she works in luxury fashion and we don't talk like, as often because my male mentor is here in Houston. Um, this one is in is in New York. So I but I we email each other. Yeah, so we email each other once every like two or so months just to kind of update. Hey, this is what's going on. Yeah. Or you know, if I write an article, I send them to her first. Normally, what do you think about this? How do you feel about this? Especially if I write something which I haven't done in a while on something like uh related to like intellectual property or trademarks or whatever in the fashion mm-hmm. world. Yeah. I send them to her first. So just like stuff like that. It's just it's so important. Building those relationships. Absolutely. That, that, is, that is definitely important. With your family, because I know they were your, your first supportive group, what has been some encouraging and the uplifting things that they've said or, or helped inspire you? Man, I can go on for like hours about (laughs) them. I am so blessed to have the family that I have to support me how, you know, they support me. One of the the biggest things is when I start getting overwhelmed, like I talk about my mom and I always hear her voice in my head, even in those moments. um, She always says, well, she'll ask me, well, how do you eat an elephant? And the first time she asked me, I just stared at her because I'm actually plant-based, so I don't even eat meat. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I was like, why, why would I do that? I said, that's cool. And she was like, no, girl, it's a figure of speech. Like, how would you eat an elephant? And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, a bite at a time. And I was like, oh, and the light bulb just went off. You know, basically take every obstacle one at a time oh that's amazing yeah so i'm just like oh damn i didn't think about that now my dad is not as censored uh (laughs) my dad is a cusser so half the stuff he says i probably can't say but he's he's very profound because i remember when i was so i had to take the bar exam three times and um that was an extremely difficult period in my life because the first time I failed, which was July 2017, I failed by nine points. And I just knew I passed. Like, you couldn't tell me I didn't pass. Like, I killed that exam. I walked out smiling. I was so excited. And when I failed, that was, like, the biggest shot to 
my confidence, but not just like, you know, my personal confidence, my spiritual confidence as well. I honestly felt like, you know, maybe God was punishing me for something. I didn't do something that, you know, he instructed me to do at some point or, you know, maybe I didn't tithe enough or, or just whatever. Because I know during while I was studying for the exam, I was so consumed with studying for the exam. I did stop going to church at a period of time. So I thought maybe this was like punishment for that. I was just so many thoughts were going on in my head and I was like depressed for at least a year. Um, I wouldn't leave the house. I was a hermit. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. Like I just kind of felt like I was letting everybody down. Um, So then I decided to take it again in February because they only give the bar exam in July and in February. So I decided to take it in February, despite my family, my boyfriend, all my friends were like, maybe you shouldn't take it because mentally we don't think you're in a good space. And I was, I was just like, no, I got to take it. I got to get it over with. Well, felt it again. So that, that kind of stung a little bit too. So it was important for me going into it the third time to put my spiritual health first. Yes. And, um, that completely shifted everything. But during that period, I remember right before I took the exam the last time, I left my driver's license in Dallas. Because my parents live in Dallas, and I came back to Houston. And I was like, dang it, I don't have my license. Um, So I had to call my dad, and I was like, hey, can you mail me my license? This is where I left it. So he was like, yeah, okay. So he mails it to me, and he addressed the envelope um, with an Esquire on the end of my name. Uh Uh-huh. And I just broke down crying. He's always spoken things over my life. So when I passed that last time, um, ooh, I'm trying to hold it together. <laughs> no, you are fine. Um, so when I passed that last time, I was just like, you know, having people like that in your corner will carry you even in your, in your brokenness. So, Oh, I love hearing it. My sister is, she's so supportive. And, like, sometimes I, like, you know, try to play the big sister role. Like, I'm the big sister. I'm supposed to be the protector. Yes. I'm, You know, but yes. even in, in those moments when she was just like, I got you. Like, don't worry about anything. Um, I wasn't working at the time because I was so, like, fixated on trying to study the past. You know, she would send me a little yes. money here and there. Hey, go get you some groceries. You know, just whatever. So, yeah, no, I'm super blessed. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah, girl. <laughs> yeah, girl. My boyfriend too. My my boyfriend was always very supportive. Um, oh, just through everything, um, he was always there. Even when he didn't know what to say, mm. he, he would just be there. You know what I mean? Yes. You just you just speaking so many things. Just this whole interview <laughs> has been amazing. I want to thank you so much for that because. Well, as writing an artist, I get so much from when I hear people talk about what, you know, how they got to the point that they got in. That's how I started it. And I just, it just keeps me going and it inspires me to keep doing what I'm doing. So thank you. Yeah, no, I try to be transparent, like with my entire journey, because it hasn't been easy. Even like with law school, I applied to like 16 law schools and I got rejected from 14 of them. Oh my gosh. And I was like completely like heartbroken. So I did well in undergrad. You know, Baylor's one of the top schools in the state of Texas. So I was just yes. like, surely 
my LSAT, my LSAT score was average. Um, and that's where the problem came in for me was because it was just average and law school was, it's getting so competitive to where your scores have to almost be above average. It was so discouraging. Like that period was like, I was like, maybe I don't need to go to law school. Maybe this isn't for me. And, uh, I went up to Pastor Keon one service and I talked to him about what was going on um, after service ended and, you know, kind of how discouraged I felt. I was like in tears and he, he talked to me, he prayed for me. And right before I walked away, he was like, he always calls me Jay. He was like, Jay, it's going to be the last school that you apply to that you get into. And oh. I was just like, okay. And I went home, that was Sunday, I went home that Monday and Southern was the last school that I applied to. And within two weeks, I got a acceptance letter and the things that I was able to accomplish at Southern um, and the doors that opened for me being there I cannot say I would have gotten that going anywhere else Yes, mm-hmm. and it was all for a purpose I did not see but yes. I've tried to be very transparent in the fact that I had to get a lot of no's before I got the perfect yes yes I was just having a conversation with one of my friends it's like, oh goodness. <laughs> yeah. You get to go through it feels like why am I going through all of this? But you know it is for a purpose and it's for a reason and it's to help you to mm-hmm. get to when you get to those tough times it won't feel as bad that too. <laughs> right. And oh, I, I almost feel like because of, you know, the things that God has done in my life, it's like I owe a duty to yes. others to to be open about you know what I've gone through and then to yeah. also be open about how gracious he's been in my life so yes. I every platform I get I'm not ashamed to be like God is moving and yes. I'm just along for the ride <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly I'm here I'm a servant <laughs> okay that is it I'm I'm grateful and you know I'm not perfect by any but you know I try to be transparent in all that I do and make sure you know all all the glory is his and even in that same breath before I I speak to people whether it's a talk or I'm just talking to clients I I always pray the same thing just real quick before a consultation that you know the words are his and not mine that um any word that I'm saying is something that he's intending for them to hear, you know, that my words heal, that they don't break, that they build, that they don't discourage, you know, all these things. And I've literally prayed the same thing every time. And then I'll pick up the phone and, you know, call whoever I'm scheduled to call that day. Oh, that's beautiful. Is there a quote you live by, a book you've read, or a person in your life that keeps you motivated? And this can be more than one, a quote that you've heard or, you know, um, well, my favorite scripture, um, yeah. before the bar exam, I actually, we can only bring pencils, like number two pencils mm-hmm. into the exam. So I, uh, wrote it with a little fine point Sharpie on the mm-hmm. side of the pencil, just the, the book, the, uh, verse. And that was it. I couldn't, I mean, yeah, I couldn't write the full scripture out. So mm-hmm. it was just the book and the verse, but, um, it's, uh. Second uh, Timothy one seven, for God mm-hmm. hath not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So that's definitely up there for me. Um, yes, and I like write it on everything. So that's probably 
that's definitely a, a top for me. Um, I can't really think of anything else. That's pretty much like high, high, high on my list. Yes. Jordan, this has been a very, very <laughs> amazing, amazing interview. Thank you so much. But it's not over. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I really that appreciate was... you for, for having me on here. Oh, I'm so glad. This was the serious part of the interview. And now we're going to get into the fun, random questions. Okay. And you just say the first thing to come to your mind. You don't have to think long. I just let them know when you're ready. All right. What was your first job? I was a... They called them models, but I was basically like the sales person on the floor, like the cashier at a Hollister. Wow, nice. If you could speak any language, what would it be? I already speak Spanish. So my goal within the next three years is to be, is to know uh, conversational French and Italian. Oh, nice. What is your favorite dessert? Oh, that was tough. <laughs> sweets <laughs> sweets in general okay the cheesecake cannolis uh jeez uh, I don't know that one's really hard cause I like them all <laughs> um I'd probably have to say cannolis I think that's probably my okay. favorite okay what show are you currently watching or waiting for the next season of oh girl Game of Thrones favorite <laughs> no problem <laughs> What is your favorite color? Dark green, like a forest green. Yes, green. What is one of your favorite statement pieces? Shoes. If you could be any character from any show, cartoon, movie, book, what character would you be and why? Well, I guess I'm going to stick with Game of Thrones. Uh, (laughs) Arya Stark. Anybody who watches Game of Thrones knows who Arya is. She's just an all-around like beast. And how can people reach you? So you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at J-O-V-A-N-T underscore guard, G-A-R-D-E. And it's a playoff of the word avant-garde, like fashion, but somebody took it. So I just use the first two initials of my first name. So that's what it is. I'm so glad we had this time to talk. I got to know you. Now I'm going to keep in touch because you, you go to the church of my favorite online pastor. <laughs> yes, girl, I'm going to be a Bible study tomorrow. That is amazing, Jordan. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Characters Here Podcast. We would love to be a part of your life. So leave us a review right now. And remember, don't be a stranger. Be a character. Be a character. Be a character.